Uh, we're going to continue our study in the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8. And today we're going to focus on verse 32. Romans chapter 8, focusing on verse 32. Uh, I'm going to start reading at 31 just to be able to give us a little bit more context what has been taking place. Romans chapter 8. And Romans is found in what testament? New testament. The New Testament. Right, New Testament. And Romans were written by who? Who? Oh, okay. Y'all were a little quiet on that time. So Paul. Here we go. Romans chapter 8. Looking at verse 31 and 32. When then shall we say to these things, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously, generously, right, give us all things? Let me pray for us and ask the Lord to help us work through this verse 32 here this morning. And that maybe may it encourage all of us in our walk in Christ. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you again to bring us back to your text here in Romans. Uh, Lord, we have been um, edified and encouraged by your word, Lord, uh, so far. And we know that, Lord, your word does just that every week. It encourages your people. So, Lord, let us be encouraged again as we walk through your text this morning. Lord, let our hearts, Lord, be reminded of what you have done for us. And for us that have fell short every single day, Lord, for us to look that it's a gracious Savior over and over and over, giving us assurance over and over again that no matter, Lord, what, how much, Lord, uh, we feel like you have turned your back on us, you haven't. You're near to your people when we don't think you're near. You're there with us. So help us this morning realize that and, and, and embrace that, that, Lord, that uh, when you die for us, Lord, you die for us to be kept to yourself forever. So, Lord, let us, Lord, be encouraged by that this today, Lord. So help me, Lord. Preach your word faithfully. Let me communicate your word faithfully today. Lord, I am so weak and I need your help. So help me, Lord, this morning as I preach your word to your people this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A lot of times, um, the reactions of uh, December the 25th, right? The kids come around the Christmas tree and all the presents are there under the tree and the kids are ready to open up the gifts. And some kids tear open the gift and throw the paper on the ground, throw the boxes over here and throw things everywhere. And they say, oh, wow, mom, this is what I always wanted. Then you have some kids open it up, and for them, they say, ah, well, thank you for this. Then some kids open up gifts, and they look at it, and like, I didn't ask for this. And so you have so many gifts that are given, and some enjoy the gifts. Some are okay on the gifts, and some are not satisfied in the gifts. Well, today, we're going to deal with a gift today that was given and Paul reminds us by giving us this gift, reminds us of this particular gift, that this gift right here is a gift that all believers saying, Abba, Father, thank you. 
There's no ungrateful person within the kingdom of God, within the people of God. There's no ungrateful person. They're not ungrateful at all. They're thankful for what Christ has done. I mean, at times they might show unthankfulness, but, but the spirit in them is leading them to be thankful for what Christ has done. And Paul, today in our text, Paul is reminding us that within this great gift, this great gift is what's needed for the believer that struggle every single day. Anger, anxiety, depression, that, that for them to see that the gift that they was given is the perfect gift to remind them that God doesn't hate you. God hasn't turned his back on you. Y'all comparing God to your employer at your, at your job. Y'all comparing God to y'all friends. You know how them friends are, right? They're your friends as long as you're doing something for them. They're your best cousin as long as he's doing something for them. And they are they are all these things, right? But this right here we're going to see, though, is that Jesus is a friend, a relative, that a person that, that that is a that God man, that He loves you despite your shortcomings, despite your shortcomings. So His friendship is not made upon your faithfulness. If Jesus' friendship was made upon your faithfulness. Right? We would never have that friendship. Because our faithfulness is just all, all, it's just all over the place. Right? But Jesus' faithfulness is permanent. He's faithful when we're not faithful. And so in our test today, Paul is going to remind us today again, believers in Christ that's thinking that God has left them. The believers in Christ that just messed up this past week. For them to rest assured that the gift that God given to them was the ultimate down payment that they belong to him. When you go to the bank, right? And you get all this money at the bank. And you go somewhere, you go buy a car, go buy a house. Once you pay for it and sign it off, that house and that car belongs to who? Belong to you. It belongs to you. Jesus paid it all, right? And it belonged to him. If it belonged to him, how do you think you can run away from him? It's in Christ. But hey, again, y'all look quiet this morning. Y'all might not agree with everything I'm saying this morning. So let me walk through it this time this morning. We're going to do it in three points. How do we know that God gives us all things? You see in verse 32, in verse 32, it said, he, would, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So how do we know that God will give us all things? Look at point number two then. What is all things in verse 32? Y'all see the word all things in verse 32? So what is all things? Jesus give me a Maybach. Would Jesus give me that fat crib, 10,000 square feet? Is it talking about those all things? Would Jesus give me that bag, right? That money bag? Is that all things? That's the question, though, is that what is all things? The last point we're going to deal with, remember what God gives us when the flesh is weak. 
Remember what God gives us when the flesh is weak. I know a lot of y'all a lot stronger than me in this room, like Brother King, Greg. But but at the end of the day, though, is that we all are weak. We ain't strong all the time. We all weak as believers. And as we get weak, we need to remember something. Because when we're weak, that's when the time we make those decisions, we say, man, I messed up again. Man, why I do that again? Man, what well, I wasn't thinking. When we're weak, we trust the flesh. And so I pray today that when we get weak, we don't trust the flesh, but we remember something that was so good to us. So jumping point number one, how do we know that God will give us all things? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Paul has given us more, more proof of our assurance in Jesus. Now he returned to the father relationship with his son. He is referring to, back to verse 31, Verse 31, it said God. When it said, if God is for us, so that he goes all the way back to 31, he referring to God. We just learned in verse 31 that God is for us. But now we're about to learn another act of God in verse 32. These acts of God revealing his attributes. And so what we're doing here is kind of like a series. Last week we started a series and how we're revealing the seven Seven truths and suffering. We were learning about seven truths and suffering for us to be able to hold on to. Last week we learned that in suffering, we need to remember this, God is for us. A lot of times we mess up like, man, you're running away from God. I did this over and over. God reminded us in a minute, don't run away from me. Run to me. I am for you. Yeah, you messed up. I am for you. Run to me. Run to me. Run to me. There's a never a time you shouldn't run to God. It don't matter how bad you messed up, you run to Jesus. You run to him and run to him and run to him. You don't run away from him. Feeling in your shame and that I'm embarrassed to go back to him. I'm embarrassed to be around him because of what I've done. Jesus said, no, I am for you. Run to me. Yes, yes, all the things you're thinking in your head right now. All the sins that you might be thinking of, right? Run to Jesus with those. Run to him. Because some of y'all might yeah, I run to him if I just if I just messed up a little bit, then I run to him, right? I messed up a little bit. No, you run to him with all sins. You run to him when you fall short. Run straight to Jesus. Because he's for us. Yes, yes, he's for us. Bank that down. He's for us. And nothing would change that fact. Okay, we learned that last week. I'm sorry, I'm about preaching last week, sir. I'm sorry about that. Y'all getting feeling it for a minute. All right. But today we're going to learn something else. So we got God is for us. Now we're going to learn now God gives us all things. And these all these things we're dealing with, these attributes of God. I recommend a book called A.W. Pink, The Attributes of God. Something special about when, when we know what our God can do. It may process in our difficulties a lot better, right? Like easier. When we know what our God is capable of doing, we know that we can win. Right? A seven or eight year old basketball game, right? And the kids are kind of timid. They're going against an undefeated team. 
These kids are seven to eight years old going against an undefeated other seven to eight year old team. And these kids are terrified like this team is the best team. Then all of a sudden, Preston come in on the seven to eight year old team. Right? I come in on this team and they said, now we have hope. I think Jacob done felt that way the other week when we played basketball. They, they was kind of a little, little timid. And when I came, they kind of had some type of little, little swagger about themselves. It's something so special with knowing who's on our team. And knowing that not just anybody on our team, that now we actually can win. You knowing that Steph Curry, LeBron James, they're on your team, you have this confidence that we can play anybody. Well, something better than Steph Curry, better than LeBron and Michael Jordan, something better than all of them. And we know that God is on our team, we know that God can defeat anything. But what happened, or I think it will happen is that, is that we struggle with this because now our problems feel like it's just so much bigger than God. When our problems are bigger than God, then we feel like we can't turn to God. Y'all remember Thomas? <laughs> Doubting Thomas? Thomas believed God only when he was able to touch Jesus with his hands. And then realized that Jesus was once dead, but now made alive. It should have already been faith and not by what he experienced. But when Thomas touched him, Thomas' mind then embraced Christ's attributes. That these acts that we're learning about right here, that, that what, what, what about Christ's attributes is that Christ was raised from the grave. Man, this is truly God. And we talked about it this past Wednesday night. Thomas responded, said, my Lord, my God. Who can be raised from the grave? Who can be raised from the grave? Who can pay for sin? My Lord, my God. So these attributes that we're learning about now in Romans are calling us to know God better. The particular attribute that we are learning about today is that God gives. If God gave at any moment, he would continue to give. If that's part of God's character, he would give it in the past, he would continue to give in the future. That he does not change. If his character is a certain, in a certain way in the Old Testament, his character is a certain way in the New Testament. Again, what better news for the doubting soul that God is not, that God is not far off. But God is near. God is not separated from us, but God is with us. And so we can disregard the lie that say the descriptions of God, uh, all the very descriptions of God we try to give ourselves when we fall into sin. A lot of times we fall into sin if it's certain things of lust. If it's the type of, type of lust, we really want these certain things. In lust, we're feeling like what God has to give us is not enough. we got to have something else. We're starting to deny his attributes. When we feel like we don't have enough, we got to reach out, we got to get something else. We start to deny that God is all-sufficient. So family, may we not buy into the wrong attributes of God. May we might not, might, maybe not buy into false understandings of the character of God. When we fall into sin, we buy into, we buy into a false understanding of who God is. Because we start thinking, though, is that 
these things right here, right here, is what we need right there in this moment. And God has not given us what we need right now in this moment, so we turn to the things of the flesh. So we feel like God at this moment, that God, this is too big for God to do in my heart. My heart wanted it, and it wanted it now. My heart want to do this right now, right now. And what we do is say, well, God, you're not giving me what I really want. And so, God, you're not my true provider. My own heart is my provider. That If I can go right now and look at this, what I shouldn't be looking at, and I can get some desires met in this particular moment right now, then my desires can be felt fulfilled. Again, when we start to say that God can't give us things, that God is not the really provider, that's when we turn to other things. But if we have the biblical understanding of God's attribute, we won't turn to these things. We'll turn to God and we'll wait on God. God did not spare his own son. This word spare in our text also can mean relieve. Relieve. That God did not relieve his son. What that means is that God allowed the father to punish his only son. That God didn't spare his son. He didn't take his son away from this punishment. His son had to endure in this moment. We learned about this in Romans 5, 8. But God showed his love for us that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to what the scriptures. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. The true word is telling us that the father did not spare his son. The father allowed his son to be punished. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. The text we just read, John 3.16 For God so loved the world that whoever First Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his womb we have been healed. Christ's death was the father giving his son away for a sacrificial act. But the father gave up the most important being on this earth. Let that sit here, y'all. We hear this over and over, John 3, 16, over and over again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that, that the father and the son relationship was like this. It's never a time that the father and the son wasn't separate. They always loved each other. The father loved his son so much, they always been in agreement in eternity past, before there was a heaven, before there was angels, before anything existed. Just the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. They all were one. They were together. The only beings. Nothing existed in the, in the whole of the cosmos. Nothing existed. In the immaterial world, nothing existed but God. And God was together. The 
father and the son had a covenant relationship from eternity past. And they have always been together. But now we read about now the father and the son are at odds. First time ever happening in the history of the world. The history of the existence, even of the Godhead. Now the father and the son are at odds. Because now the son is something that the father has to punish. The son now becomes sin. The father is holy. The son becomes unholy. What I mean as unrighteous. Not because he did anything wrong. But it tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21 I believe. For he made him to be sin. He made him to be sin. Jesus has never did anything wrong. But the father made him to be sin. That the father has to punish his son. He couldn't spare him now. He can't spare his son because the father had to keep up with his character. That the father has already shared to the Old Testament that sin must be punished. So Jesus must be punished for the sin. So now the greatest being, right? The father and the son now are at odds. It tells in Isaiah 53. Of the father. It said, please the father punish the son, Isaiah 53 10. The father has to punish his son. Think about it now. That the father gives away his son. For us unworthy people, right? For us that are self-centered people, for us that are unso deserving to make everything about us, for people that are turning their back against God, the Father gave His Son. Now the Father asked for the Son for this ungrateful people. So, family, again, let this sink in. This was just a Christmas present. This wasn't just a birthday present or a college graduation present. Or a high school graduation present. This wasn't something so small as those things. Which those things are great, right? Those things are so small compared to Jesus. And the scripture tells us, but now, it says that now Jesus, the father did not spare his own son. Sin had to be dealt with. Someone had to pay for sins. Either we pay it with eternal judgment on us. Or Christ pay it, but the Father give him eternal judgment. What was it? It was Christ. It was Christ. The Father gave up his only son. The most profound gift that could ever be given up. And he did it for his people. Even though he did it for us. He did it ultimately for his glory. But he had to give up his son for us because we couldn't give our lives to appease his wrath. We have been disqualified because of our sins. It had to be the perfect lamb to take away the sins. The perfect emray in Aramid. The perfect emray, the perfect lamb. To take away sins. So Paul uses Jesus being given up for sin as an example that God gives up the greatest gift for his people. How dare y'all say God don't love you? If God gives up his own son for the sake of his people, how dare we turn and say God doesn't love me? Amen. After his greatest act 
of the father punishing his son and giving up his son, how dare we come to the position when we fall into sin that God doesn't love us? We should never doubt God giving hands in our lives. We should never doubt God's love for his people, what God has done by giving up his son, by punishing his son for us, family. What does God have to show that he loves you? But what else? I mean, he given up the son for the sake of his people. Some of y'all might say, well, I lied. Well, God is ashamed of me. I committed adultery. Well, God doesn't love me anymore. I used the Lord's name in vain, so God is going to strike me down. I looked at porn again. I said I wasn't going to look at porn. I looked at it again. I looked at it again. So God is don't have, want to have anything to do with me. So family, these are the examples of going, the, this unbiblical attributes of God. That we create these things about God is that God doesn't want to have anything to do with me because of our failure. I think the root, this is the root of our, all of our problems as Christians. We forget and don't truly know the God of the scriptures. All of your sins. If you just pause for one second and just think back. All of your sin in your life as a believer, all the sins you have committed, it goes back to you and I not believing God in the scriptures. It's just simple. Again, I think we need counselors. We need people to work through things. I, I encourage people to go through counseling. A lot of things, counseling can help work through certain things. But to help to get somebody up through counseling, that's one of the things. But I said a root of all the issues in the life of the Christians is not believing the God of the scriptures. Because we believe him. If we truly believe him, we won't give in to all the other things. We won't. What happened is that we need, we, we don't hold on to that. And all the things that come our way in the life of the Christian, all the things that come our way, we're starting to disbelieve. Well, say this is too impossible for God to help me in this. So I got to help myself. And we turn not to Jesus for help. We turn to our own selfish ambitions and our own selfish desires. And guess what we do? We mess up. We mess up. We mess up. When we sin, we replace him with other gods. Because we feel like God has abandoned his people. That God hasn't listened to his people. So we place our God in the scriptures with things that of our heart, of our own imaginations. Is that what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden? Y'all remember Adam and Eve? They was with God in the garden. God was with them in the garden. And for them, they turned to something else to take the place of God. They turned to themselves. I don't need God in heaven anymore. I have myself. We can eat. We can know what was good and evil ourselves. We can know the things now that we don't need the God of the Bible anymore. So we revert to a different false God that we think is better for us. So God, a false God that, that, that fulfills these desires. That, 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 that porn is safe. It won't leave me. Just click on it and I can get access to it right now. It won't leave me. It fulfills these desires and Committing adultery would give me happiness that my marriage right now, my husband and my wife right now, they're not doing these things so I can go over here and get these things. 
Lying to this person will keep me from looking good in the person's eyes. We lie because we don't want nobody to see us for who we are. We want to look good in front of everybody, so we lie to try to keep up a certain image so we can be seen better than what we truly are. So my question for us is, do, do we believe the right things about God? Uh, my next question is, is there any moment that we don't believe the right things about God? So let me go back to that first question. You can write them down or keep them in a middle note. Do we believe the right things about God? Second question. Is there any moment that we don't believe the right things about God? Is there any moment that we don't believe the right things about God? The last one. Why do we struggle to believe the right things about God in those moments? Why do we struggle to believe the right things about God in those moments? The right thing we are learning about this morning, about God, is that he gives us all things. Hold on to this question. Let's move to point number two. We just said God gives us all things. What is in the world is all things? Verse 32 again. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how, he, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Paul just shared how the Father gave up his son for us. But remember, while Paul is telling us this right now, he's not just giving us information just to have. He is expanding our understanding of just how much assurance we have in him. That, that, that the giving of his son is a stamp of approval that God can give us all things. So what is exactly all things? So let me first explain what all things not consistent of. You remember Paul has confessed his struggle with the flesh in chapter 7. Well, we have some glimpse of what not all things is referring to. We know all things is not referring to being exempt from struggles. When it said God gives us all things, one of the things he's not referring to is being exempt from struggles. If Paul, if we are exempt from struggle, why is Paul confessing his struggle in chapter 7? Paul said that the more he wanted to do good, bad is near. Paul called himself wretched man or miserable man that I am, knowing he can't stop committing these particular sins. So again, this God giving us all things, right? It's not referring to a zip from struggle. So a lot of times y'all bleed in Jesus, you walk down the aisle, so I believe. I believe Christ is Lord. And you feel like everything's going to be good after that moment. And the Christian life is not a zip from struggles. You're going to struggle. So this right here is not telling us right here that we're going to be a zip from struggle. Second thing that all things is not referring to is God retaliating on our enemies the way we envision. Since God is for us, we can ask God to pay back our enemies with justice, and we can ask God for those things, but this is not what he's referring to. God is paying back his enemies. Third things, the all things he's not referring to is God giving us money to be rich. 
This verse has been taken by some to support that we can ask God to be rich and God can make us rich. Do God make people rich? Yes. Spiritually rich, sometimes people get financially rich. We got the wise here that are financially rich. So some people are financially rich. But this verse is not talking about giving us all things that being financially rich. So everything to do with about being financially stable, financially rich. But we do have verses that God do take care of enemies and God do make, you know, provide for his people. But this is not what this text is alluding to. So let, let me now transition to what does all things actually mean in this context? Well, remember that Paul is dealing with, again, to remind and to believe with the assurance we have in Jesus. So all things relating to convincing the believer that God will provide for them when the flesh is weak. Let me say it again. This is what all things are getting at. All things that God will provide for them when the flesh is weak. So what will God give us when the flesh is weak? All things. Again, all things doesn't cater to the flesh. All things is not anything to fulfill the desires of the flesh. All things must be the opposite. It is things given to us that fulfill the desires of the spirit. Like we find in Galatians 5.22. But the fruits of the spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passion and desire. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep step in the spirit. All things in our context is that God is not limited, limited in giving us everything that points us to assurance in him. It does it by giving us new desires. We know that God is given, going to give us heaven and many other things. And we know there's many other verses that we're talking about how God gives us things. But in our context right here, referring to that God gives us what we need in the midst of us suffering and struggling with sin. He gives us assurance. He gives us assurance. That he won't abandon us. So God gives us self-control, patience, peace, so much more to trust him. The fruits of the Spirit points us back to trust him. So family, when we forget and think that God has not listened to us, or that God gave up on us, or that God is not near to us. But Paul, in this entire chapter, is reminding us that God is near to us. That God cares for us. So there's all things, everything that God gives to his people, to point them back to himself. And the greatest, beautiful picture of this all things is Christ himself. The Father gave us his Son. If he gave us his son, right, and he, he punished his son, then he gave us his son to be to, 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 to be the re redeemer of his people. Family, that's what we need. In the midst of trials, in the midst of suffering, we need to know that we've been given Jesus. That faith in Jesus takes away all of our sins, that, that our sins are all covered. They call it imputation. How Christ's righteousness imputed to us and and, 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 and our sins is imputed to Christ. So Christ, the Father, gives us all things. Everything that is needed for the believers to be assured that Christ will not turn his back on them. 
So again, all things referring to the things that he gives us to help us accept that God is still great, a great father to us in the midst of our shortcomings. So family, as we pray and we ask God for help, we ask God to help us to remind it of all the things that we need to know about him. So for us not to give in to sin. Point number three. Remember what God gives us when the flesh is weak. He will, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how he will he not also with him graciously give us all things. Since we get all things, we don't have to be drowned out, out by our fears. There will never be a time again that we don't get all the things in Christ. We can celebrate that we get the perfect gift from a perfect God. So my question again for us this morning, what I asked you earlier. But we know God gives us all things. We know God gives us everything we need to be assured that God will not abandon us. My question would be for this. Why do we struggle to believe the right things about God in those, time, in those moments? Do we believe God will give us all things? If so, why do we struggle waiting on him? Again, we sin when we don't wait on him. We trust on biblical things. So with the few moments we have left, Let's take a ride in the car. Let's take a ride in the car. Not in the tank. The tank still got the work got to be done on it. It's kind of janky, you know, back and forth. But let's take a ride back to the Old Testament. Help me out this morning. In the Old Testament of Israel. It was a very, very hard place. Israel was enslaved in Egypt. But what's the gift that God gave to them? God gave them Moses. When they was enslaved in Egypt, God gave them Moses. And Moses took them out of bondage all the way over to out of into the wilderness. But Moses couldn't enter because due to shortcomings. Another gift. The people was in the wilderness, they needed a leader to take them over to the promised land. So God used who? Joshua and Caleb. God takes them over. Second gift we talk, we talk about, our third gift. Israel get the promised land. Joshua dies. No leader now before them. God give them another gift. God give them judges. The judges reigned at the time. God raised up joys to point his people back to the Lord. The people turned back to idols. They even chose Saul as the people. Another gift, the fifth gift I want to mention. God give them a gift of David. A man of the God on heart. That eventually as the kings were there, they turned it back against God again. Then the sixth gift we see here, God gave them prophets. 
He gave them prophets. And God provided them, turned them back to God's word. And many didn't listen to prophet. And the seven gift, what did God give them? Jesus. He's the perfect prophet, the priest, and the king. Jesus is the perfect prophet, priest, and the king. All throughout history, when God's people were weak and need, God has always given them the right gift at the right time. God has always preserved his people to bring about this Messiah to come. When it was in Matthew, when they was killing babies everywhere throughout Matthew, and they, and they thought that the Messiah was going to get killed, God preserved the Messiah in the midst of it. The Messiah family fled down to Egypt. Every time you see the people in need, we see God provide for them, family. That is God's character. As I drive and I see cows grazing, right? Sheep are grazing. I see the goats are bugging wild. That's their nature, right? The nature of a cow is to graze and eat the grass on the land. The nature of Jesus. They will never leave us and forsake us. And many more attributes in him. So family that are feeling kind of disgusted this morning. Man, I've been living a hypocrite. I haven't been living a faithful life. All of the Jesus stuff, I'm just not there yet, y'all. I'm just not there yet. If you're thinking those certain things, don't turn your back on Jesus. He's going to get you there. You can't get there by yourself, but he's going to get you there. So family, remember that God has always provided the perfect gift throughout history for his struggling people. And if I have more time, I can share more and more stories, even about Elisha and Elijah, right? At Jezebel, we're trying to kill. I can tell you more stories about the raising of the dead and God providing manna. I can tell you about how the wall of Jericho just came falling down. I can tell you about Daniel in the lion den and, and the fiery furnace. I can tell you about Jonah swallowed up in a big fish. I can keep going on and on. Every single story of the Old Testament shows you that God is always there on time. In the old church, we always say he's the on time. He's the on time God. Yes, he is. Y'all, 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 y'all. So remember this. That God does not change. That he will give us today all things in the midst of the flesh. Let's end with a couple applications. When we pray to God, our prayers should be things that point us to more like Jesus. We shouldn't be praying for things that point us away from Christ. If you're married, you shouldn't be praying for another man, another woman. I want somebody better than this person. That's not biblical prayers. We should be praying prayers that honors God's name. And when we pray for the things of Christ, God gives us the things of Christ. Second thing, don't let the flesh tell you that God has given up on you. Don't listen to the flesh. Y'all don't listen to everybody else in the world, do you? So don't listen to your flesh. The flesh is going to lie to you. It's going to lie every time. It's going to lie every time. Every time you listen to it, it lie. It, 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 it's lost every single moment. The flesh is going to lie to you. 
Listen to the spirit. Do not give in to the flesh. The flesh said, let me just say this one thing about this person. Don't listen to it. Don't listen. Again, y'all know people in y'all life y'all just don't want to listen to? Treat your flesh like that, right? That I'm not going to listen to you no more. I'm going to listen to Jesus. I'm not one of those persons that put the hand up over there. Okay. All right. There had never been a time when God gave up on his people. He would all be faithful even when we aren't faithful. So if you're struggling all this morning, those three questions I asked you all, ask me, I can give them to you again. Try to search your heart to see when it's time you're not believing in Jesus and times you are giving into the flesh. Let those questions kind of really kind of be answered throughout this day. And you can start seeing the areas you're not believing in Jesus and you're believing in the flesh. Third thing, continue reading the Bible of how God is good to his people and let that sink in. That God is still good to us. So the title of this message again. God gives us all things. So family. God's going to give you all things. Not to give in to the flesh. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Before we take communion.